Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. All right. Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to Strength to Strength. It is six o'clock here this morning, and it's time to get started. My name is Glenn Martin, and I live in Massachusetts. I'm part of a small fellowship there, and I'm also a part of the Strength to Strength team. So thank you for joining us this morning. For those of you who are unfamiliar with uh, Strength to Strength, we host uh, live meetings like this every other week where we have an invited guest to share. Today is actually an off week Saturday, but we decided to host this um, as a bonus talk this morning to give an opportunity to hear from Sam about this um, amazing testimony, God's grace. So this morning uh, we have with us Sam Stolzbus. Sam was among the 17 missionaries uh, serving in Haiti under Christian Aid Ministries when they were kidnapped and held for two months. So good morning, Sam. Glad to have you with good us. Good morning, Glenn. I'm happy to be here with Strength of Strength this morning. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, so Sam is joining us from his home. He lives in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. He has served uh, three years in Haiti. And during that time, he has become fluent in the Haitian language of Creole. This morning, Sam will be sharing his story of their captivity. So before that, uh, we're going to begin with a word of prayer. And um, Bryant, are you with us? Yes, I am. All right, and uh, Brian, if you would uh, lead us in prayer, that'd be that'd be great. Amen. Let's let's pray. Kind Heavenly Father, uh, we come to you here this morning, thanking you, Lord, for your love and your mercies. And Father, we we thank you that that we know that you are with us. And we think of those beautiful words um, of Emmanuel, uh, Prince of Peace, Counselor. A mighty father. That this idea that, that, that this, this government will be on your shoulders and there will be no end to peace. And this morning, maybe in a special way, we're, we're celebrating that. This incredible understanding of, of you coming to this earth as a vulnerable baby and entering into the sin of this place to, to rescue us, to rescue humanity back to yourself. And Father, you've given us a mission uh, to, to take this mission on, that the one that you started of, of seeing reconciliation happen in the world. And, and Father, uh, this, this process of reconciliation sometimes takes us into places that, that are very uh, risky, but it, we, we realize it's, it's the least that we can do because of what you've done. And so this morning, uh, Father, we, we're, we're hearing a story of, of a brother and of other brothers and sisters who, uh, who are striving to follow uh, your ways and, and bring peace on earth, goodwill to men uh, through their work in Haiti. And <clears throat> Father, through that, um, they experienced some, some really hard things. But Father, we know that from what I've heard that you showed up and blessed them. And that does not surprise us, Lord, because you're, you're here. The angel of the Lord encamps around those that fear him. And so, Father, um, this morning, Lord, I ask a special blessing on our brother Sam as he, as he shares, Father, that you would just um, fill him uh, with your spirit, Lord, that you would guide him, that he would just share those things that, that you want him to share this morning, Father, and that these words would, 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 would fall on good, soft ground, and that through this time here this morning, that your kingdom would come 
in new and fresh ways in, in my heart and in our hearts, Lord, and that your kingdom could be advanced a little bit farther. So guide and direct us, Lord, uh, in this time. And, and, and I guess, Father, a special blessing on our brother um, and, and the others that have that experienced this, Lord, that you would give them just peace of mind. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Brother Brian. So again, welcome to all of you. Uh, if you are using Zoom this morning, we encourage you to turn your camera on so we can see your face. Uh, Sam will be sharing with us now when he is complete. Uh, we are planning to have a question and answer period. So if you have questions as we go along, just keep those questions until the end. And at that time, we'll open it up for, for your input and your questions for Sam. So again, welcome Sam and the time is yours. Thank you, Glenn. Good morning. I just want to greet everyone in Jesus' precious name this morning. I count it a privilege to be here on Strength to Strength, and I desire for the Lord to take control. Pray for me. Um, I'm not used to having these Zoom calls, but I trust God can take control. Acts 17, verse 28 says, for in him we live and move and have our being. As cer certain also of our own poets have said, for we are his offspring. My, my name is Sam Stolzfus, um, Samuel Stolzfus. I'm known as Sam Stolzfus. Uh, yeah, I'm from Lancaster County. I was first called to Haiti in August of 20, 2016, and I served there from August of 16 till March of 19, 2019, and then I came home for about two years, and the Lord... I terminated, and th then the Lord, about two years later, the Lord called me back to, to Haiti in a very clear way, in a very powerful way. Um, so this year, I actually went back to Haiti on the last day of February and was there. Um, well, I was back, I think, two times. Uh, one time was for a short furlough. And uh, the other time was for my grandma's funeral. Um, but other than that, I, I uh, yeah, I'm back now since the, since the kidnapping, the Coast Guard flew us back to Haiti. So just thought I'd give a little introduction there. Um, if you have an opportunity, come to visit us here in, in Lancaster. I'd love to, love to meet you. Um, maybe give me a little bit of time, uh, but we do have, um, we do have a Christian library here. Uh, it's been uh, a passion of mine. Um, uh, we have, uh, we ha it's open to the public uh, for the local community here. Uh, there's about 4,000 books. Uh, we started that project back in 2000. Uh, 16, about six years ago, five, six years ago. So just a little introduction there on myself. Um, 
I'm not sure how to start on a one hour uh, Zoom call. Uh, like I, some of you have already heard my testimony, uh, the one I shared at church almost a week ago, last Sunday. And I would encourage you to just listen to that. I'm going to try to cover new material, at least uh, some new material, and just, yeah, see what the Lord has for us here. <clears throat> so I'm going to just take the time to read Acts 17, verse 22 to 31, and one thing that Brian said was don't spend a half hour talking on on Psalms 23 or something like that. But um, I feel like I want to cover, I have so much ground to cover, but um, just pray that I would share what the Lord wants me to share this morning. Acts 17 verse 24. God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands. Neither is worshipped with men's hands as though he needeth anything. Seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things, and hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on all the face of the earth, and hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation. That they should seek the Lord, if happily they may, they may feel after him and find him, though he be not far from every one of us. For in him we live and move and have our, have our being, as certain also of our own poets have said. For we are his offspring. For as much then as we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the Godhead is like unto gold or silver or stone graven by art and man's device. And the times... Of this ignorance God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere, everywhere to repent, because he hath appointed a day in the which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained, whereof he hath given assurance unto all men, in that he hath raised him from the dead. And one thing that is certain sin has always cost the price of blood during in the old testament time sin they the the children of israel were commanded to bring in a sacrifice a spotless lamb but what that did it it only covered it was like a covering it was like a band-aid on sin sin has always cost the price of blood and you know jesus god sent his only son jesus to the earth to show us a better way to be to come and live as our perfect example as the perfect sacrifice for sin jesus died on the cross for our sins and now in jesus as far as the east is from the west, so far he hath, hath he removed our transgressions. So that gets me excited. The veil in the temple was rent. It was split in two. And there's uh, historical sources that say that that veil, you know, separating man from the holy of holies. It, it could have been as high as 30 feet. And as thick as four inches, that veil 
there was a veil separating man from the holiest in, of, of God. Only the high priest could go in there once a year um, as an intercession. But when Jesus said, it is finished on the cross, that veil was rent in two, separating man from God, separating man from the holiness of God. Some people speculate that this veil was so thick that two tractors pulling in opposite directions could have not torn that veil. That's the God that we serve. God has paid the price. I believe when Jesus was hanging on the cross, Satan thought that he had scored a big victory. This totally backfired on Satan. Satan thought, I've got him now. I've got the king of glory hanging on the cross. The victory that Satan thought he was winning wound up being the very thing that would save the world from their sins. The, the people, all men who come to Jesus Christ, save them from their sins. And you know what? Through this experience, I can testify that Satan is making the same mistakes today. Amen. When we were kidnapped, I believe that Satan was thinking that he had scored a victory, never realizing that the name of Jesus would spread all through the world through the news media. God has three attributes that Satan does not have. God is omnipotence, meaning all-powerful. This means God can do what he wants. It means he is not subject to physical limitations like man is. God's power is infinite or limitless. Omniscience means all-knowing. God is all-knowing. In the sense that he is aware of the past, the present, and the future, nothing takes him by surprise. His knowledge is total. He knows all that there is to know and all that can be known. Omnipresence means all present. This term means that God is capable of being everywhere at the same time. It means his divine presence encompasses the whole of the universe. Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be ye therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. What does it mean to be as wise as serpents and harmless as doves? I'm still contemplating that question myself. I'd love to hear from some of the audience, but um, maybe you can give some comments on, on what you think it means to be as wise as, as serpents and harmless as doves.
in the midst of wolves. The importance of biblical modesty. I can't stress that enough. So I, I feel like I should just get into the kidnapping a little bit here. Um, yeah, we were heading to an orphanage. We had the plans. And like I mentioned, um, you're going to need to listen to the audio from last Sunday. I think it's available on Strength to Strength if you want more of that info. Um, <clears throat> we were heading to the orphanage. On the way to the orphanage, we noticed there were some hot areas. Um, there was a little bit of gang activity, but we didn't really see many gangsters on the road. And it's common in Haiti. It's very common. The political situation is not very good in Haiti at this time, especially. Uh, back when I first got there, there was a lot of UN activity. The UN United Nations had a mission to Haiti. And so there was much more of a sense of security in the area of um, police and mil military power, especially. Um, but during the, the two years and seven months of my first uh, term in Haiti, there were th three times, three different uh, occasions where the vehicle I was driving got stoned. Uh, people threw rocks at the vehicle. Um, yeah, just I, I don't have time to get into that. But so the political situation just is not very good in Haiti. And I knew that, you know, going back. And um, in July, I believe it was, the president was assassinated. And so it, it was just ever since then, they've been trying, trying to, I guess, gear up for elections, but that has not been uh, possible. I'm not sure what all is involved in the politics of that. Um, so yeah, we're heading to the orphanage. Um, we had a good time at the orphanage. We're heading back now. Uh, we wanted to stop in at Tin Village. Tin Village is a place where they sell unique Haitian souvenirs. So we're on our way about 10 or 15 minutes and we see this, this ambulance parked across blocking about half of the road, the one, you know, the one lane. <clears throat> and it was literally an ambulance. Yes, it was. I think it was an ambulance the gang had, had stolen. So... we see gangsters running down the road towards us. And initially my first reaction was, oh no, this is the Haitian police, the national police. Soon I realized, no, it's not. This is the gang that we heard so much about. I was never expecting to be kidnapped in Haiti. Robbed all the time, no problem. Kidnapped. I had never heard of Americans being kidnapped. So the gangsters were running down the road, and suddenly we realized, oh, we need to swing a U-turn here. This is not good. I was sitting all the way in the back of the van. Um, 
the ladies were farther front. Uh, Dale, who is the warehouse manager and the med program director, was driving, and he was also assigned this orphan program. It's just a very small program in Haiti. <clears throat> so, Wesley, the mechanic, was sitting beside Dale. Dale swings a U-turn, and now we're heading back down south again. The gang is hot on our case but i thought okay great we're free this is good so we're speeding down the road the gang gangsters are overtaking us on the left they start pulling around us and i'm thinking great they're going after someone else this is it you know they pull around us and suddenly stop right in front of us we nearly t-boned them there's a bunch of gangsters in the back, and suddenly we're looking down the barrels of assault rifles, M16s, AK-47s. I don't know what, what they had. Big guns. And our hearts are pounding. So we're just crying out to God, and Lord, help us. They they motion for us to turn around. We turn around and we're thinking, thank you, Lord. Praise the Lord. We're free. You know, we thought maybe they saw us. Um, we didn't know what was going on. Um, maybe they saw we're, we're Americans, we're white people, Caucasians, we're, we're good to go. I'd never heard of, of Americans necessarily being kidnapped in Haiti. So now we're heading north again, the direction we want to be heading. And I believe they moved that ambulance a little farther south. And they stop us again, a bunch of gangsters on the road. And now they're, they're where the, they had the ambulance parked. They're in line of, of a side, side street. And they motion for us to take the road to the right-hand side. Oh, my heart sank. We turned off on that road and there in front of us was a box truck. So we just stopped there. So they're back and forth there. Um, they told us guns, give us your guns. We don't have guns. We serve the Lord. We have a power greater than guns. No, give us your guns. Sorry, we don't have any guns to give you. <sighs> okay, well then just wait here. So we waited probably 10, 15 minutes and they were back and forth. Gangsters would walk up, look at us, look in through the windows and all the time we're just praying. So uh, they take us around the corner. After a while, we start moving. And at that point, they thought we're not, we're not um, going to follow all their commands and wishes. So 
they some people ran up the the road widened a little bit so we could have probably you know swung around them whatever uh not followed their prompts um so they were worried about that and they ran up from the ambulance behind and opened the door pulled Dale out of the out of the vehicle slapped him across the face grabbed Dale and put him in the back of the ambulance and we're saying, Lord, we're crying out, Lord, save Dale. Lord, save Dale. Oh, we were afraid for Dale. They took us to a big open parking lot. Line the vehicles all in a row. And for the next half hour to an hour, we were sitting there. Maybe, I don't know how long it was, probably about an hour. And just sizing us up, checking us out, trying to decide what, what can we do with a group of 17 Americans. They were robbing us intermittently, just very low-key. We, we, it was so confusing. I, I didn't know through all this what exactly is happening to us. So after a while, they, oh, I missed the point of, yeah, the wild ride that we took to the parking lot. It was, it was crazy. It was a very wild ride the wildest ride of my life i believe especially in a 15 passenger van so yeah we're back in the parking lot pretty soon they jump in and we start moving again i'm thinking great we're gonna we're gonna be all right they'll set us free we drove up to a dead end and we got to a dead end road and on our left hand side is a house and and a little bit of a bigger a little bigger building a haitian hut and a bigger building and later on we found out that the big building was called the devil's house they called it the devil's house i don't i don't recall ever really seeing them going inside that house it was like it was a haunted house or something. I don't know. So now we're there. Um, they open the doors again, and they're still trying to figure out what can we do with them, with these people. So pretty soon they demanded all of our cash, all of our phones. We handed them over. We, I had told the group, you know what, these men are armed. Don't try to mess around. If they if they try to take our belongings, just hand it over. Don't don't worry about it. Give it over. So we gave them all our all of our cell phones and handed everything over, all of our cash. We were very grateful they didn't take all of our wallets with our IDs and credit cards and everything. Um, but they demanded all the cash. 
pretty soon they say we're we're trying to figure this out what what is going on here what do they want and i uh, by this point I, I was wanting answers this is i believe a couple hours later a couple hours after they've taken us off the roof so i i was the one who knew more creole having lived there for three over three years and wesley was the the second one who knew the most he he was he lived in Haiti for a little over a year, I believe. I'm, we're wanting answers, and I decide it's time to start talking. So I kind of came out of my little corner in the back of the van, and I said, hey, what's going on? We need an explanation here. And at that point... They said, I, I said, you took everything we have. You took our money. You took our cell phones. What more can you take? Can you just please, please just let us go? You know, we'll be all right. Everything, everything will be okay. No, 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 we can't do that. Give us $3 million. $3 million. We don't have $3 million to give you. I'm, I'm sorry. We, we don't have $3 million. Give us $3 million and we'll let you go. No, we, we don't have $3 million. It, we work for a mission. We're working for the Lord. This is God's money. We don't have $3 million of God's dollars to give to you. Okay. Well, then you're staying here. You're not going anywhere. So at that point, they, they start taking the girls out of the van and standing them in front of the devil's house. And I thought we're all filing out, but suddenly it started becoming evident to me that they want to keep the rest of us men in the vehicle. Oh, my heart. Oh, the fear. Oh. I said, get out of the van. Everyone out of the van. Get out of the van. Let me out. And I, I, we all, there was no stopping us. We all got out. I went around. I stood first in line. Our hearts were pounding. We didn't know what was going on. We stood in the line like a group of people they were going to execute. And I didn't know what was going to happen. We were singing. We were praying. We were crying out to the Lord. They got their phone and started taking a video down the, down the line. They said, hush the singing, hush the singing. We still kept singing as much as we could there. They said, this is a final video for this group of people. A final video. Okay. Are you going to kill us? Like, just take us out right here. Still didn't know what was going on. 
they had a, a small room in the house. The house was a two two room house. They had a small room. Inside the room, I saw a mattress. There were sheets in there covering the mattress and the floor. And when we first pulled into there, they they took out two captives who were tied hand and foot to free the room for us. And so after a while, we're standing there. They say, they motion me, get in the room. I'm thinking, what are you doing with me? Why, why are you telling, are you? I thought I was going in there by myself. I'm thinking, oh no, now they're going to start splitting up our group. So I went into the room and pretty soon I looked behind me and I realized with relief, oh, okay. We're all going into the room. Everyone's coming. I filed, we filed into the room. They shut the door and now we're all in the room together. Praise the Lord. Finally, a little bit of relief, a little, finally we could just kind of start relaxing, but my chest was tight. There was finally a little bit of relief from we were all in there. We're all together. God has kept us safe thus far. And now we know for sure we're kidnapped. There's no doubt in our minds. So later on that evening. The gang leader came and he said, give us the phone number for your boss. We need to call your boss. Tell him that we're kidnapped. Uh, we called. We made the phone call. Um, I said, Barry. He's, he said, Sam, are you all together? Are you all right? I said, we're all together. We're doing okay. They're, they have us kidnapped here. They're asking for ransom. The gang leader took the phone. He said, give us $17 million. You don't have much time. We're going to kill these people. You don't bring the money. Bring the money quick. I, if I'm not mistaken, he said, you have 24 hours. Bring us the money. And Barry, our boss, said, Don't forget, these are God's people that you have on your hands. We don't have God's money to give for ransom. And at that point, he walked away with the phone, still talking to Barry. <clears throat> so through the whole process, we tried to be very careful, especially with the girls. We tried to protect the girls. And I just want to touch a little bit on biblical modesty. Biblical modesty is such an important thing. Such a, I think, a neglected thing in a lot of our churches today. I'm telling you, if those girls would have not been dressed modestly, I think the temptation would have been so much greater 
for those guards and for the gangsters who kept us there the whole time. God protected us, but we tried to do our part in protecting the girls. The, the second day, the next day, there was a man by the name of Mackinson. We found out later he's, we think he's the witch doctor for this gang. He brought a bag of clothing and he said, here, here's a bag of clothes. Um, you know, when you shower and stuff, uh, you can change into these clothes. And he said, have all the girls come and change into these clothes, you know, try them on, make sure they fit and everything. And he wanted, he wanted to have them change into immodest clothing so they, they would be more vulnerable, more, more uh, open so the, the guards and himself could, could lust on the girls. I, I, and I said, no, I said, I, I assumed I didn't even check to see what was in the bag. I said, no. Yeah. He said, yeah, come on, have them come and put on the clothing. I said, no, absolutely not. I said, listen, later on, I, later on, we can take a look at the clothes. I, I just assumed they were immodest. I didn't even take to look at him. <clears throat> he said, okay. But it really took some, I really had to tell him off. I said, no, this is not. Later on, we looked into the bag of clothes and yes, they were very, very immodest clothing. Some of us men wound up wearing those clothes, wearing the lady clothes and the girls. So what would happen? They would bring us bathing water, uh, shower water. We had bucket showers. Our toilet was a squat pot. So we would, um, we would shower with this. I believe it was Creek water. I don't know where they stream from a stream. I don't know where they got the water. Uh, we would fill up a five-gallon bucket and use a small dipper to dip out water, and and just we would water down and and um, soak down and then rinse off. Basically, that was the process of all of this. Um, the first the first few days, especially, uh, we got the first week we got mosquito bites, fire ant bites. Oh, the ants were terrible. They they would crawl up your pant legs during the night and the fire ants and just bite you all over your body. The baby, the 10-month-old baby by the time we left, had ant bites all over her. So what would happen to some of us, not everyone, we would scratch the ant bites. And this, this water had what was called, what they called meek wolves microbes i'm assuming and and i guess they were little worms or something the water was not it looked clean that we couldn't see anything in the water but it was not 
clean water. So we would shower with this water and the, the worms would get in, in there. And during the night, they would just eat away on our, at our flesh. Just these wounds would get bigger and bigger and bigger. And they would, they would kind of start healing over as a boil. And you'd wake up and they'd just be pussy. You'd, it, they hurt you. So we'd puncture them to relieve the pressure. So the water was not good. <clears throat> so the girls, after they went during the time they would shower, they would shower and, and wring out their clothes, wash their clothes inside the shower room and wring out their dresses as as much as possible, try to get all the water out. And they would try to shower early in the morning. So they would have, they would put the wet dress back on. And so they would have all day, the rest of the afternoon to dry out to, for their clothing to dry. And like, as I already mentioned, uh, some of us men, we wound up wearing the, the lady clothes that the witch doctor had brought. I would wear a set of lady pants every other day um, that came almost every other day that came just below my knees and a t-shirt. And then the next day, you know, after doing the laundry, I would, I would um, wear my regular clothes. We only had our set of clothing, one set that we had, that we had on when we got kidnapped. <clears throat> so the importance of biblical modesty. Our body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. We have been bought with a price. First Corinthians 6, verse 18 to 20. Girls, never be ashamed of modesty. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 18, flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body, but he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. And, you know, when we, when we preach biblical modesty, often we look at the girls. But it's not just the girls, it's the men too. What's in the heart comes out. It's evident. And I think it's a, it's a man's problem as much or more as a girl's problem. So I don't want to minimize that. Verse 19, what? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 1 through 7. Likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they, may, they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives. While they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear, whose adorning, let it not be that outward adorning of plaiting the hair and of wearing of gold or a putting on of apparel but let it be the hidden man of the heart and that which is not corruptible even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit which is in the sight of god of great price 
For after this manner in the old time, the holy woman also who trusted in God adorned themselves, being in subjection unto their own husband. Even as Sarah obeyed Abram, calling him Lord, whose daughters ye are, as long as ye do well and are not afraid with any amazement. Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. The hidden man of the heart, meek and quiet spirit. So we had a lot of struggles in, in the gangster camp during the two months. It just seemed like the time dragged on and on. It seemed like the world had forgotten about us. We knew better than that, but we were there stuck in our boredom day after day, crying out to the Lord, Lord, deliver us from this terrible environment. It was a ghetto. There was trash all around the compound where we were. Lord, deliver us because, because of the terrible secondhand smoke we have to breathe in, the drugs, the alcohol, the perversion. They would bring in prostitutes. The music was terrible. We listened to rap music and rock and I'm not sure what all it was for two months. We would cry, Lord, deliver us. But we had the opportunity to share the love of Jesus Christ. For I think it was 63 days, I believe we shared, we sang, we prayed, we preached. Um, my dad's sitting here behind me. He says a little bit about the bottle. So they moved us to another location. And we, we did spiritual warfare like I had never done before. The, the children would seize up. They would, it was like they would get demon possessed and we'd cry out to God. We'd say, Lord, deliver us. Lord, Find the powers of Satan. Don't let him have control over us here. They moved us to another location, and I was standing outside praying the one morning. I was needing answers. I was desperate, crying out to the Lord. And the witch doctor came walking over in the corner of my eye, and I didn't say anything. I just looked at him out of the corner of my eye. He reached down. He took a, a lid. There was a, a like a, a plastic bag with a bottle inside of it. He took like a, sort of a cork and put it on the bottle. He said, this is the devil's stuff. Don't touch it or it will bite you. Oh, okay. I said, Lord, I feel like you, you've called us to confront evil. You've called us to get in the way of evil. As your children, I felt like it was a direct challenge. So he walked away. I was still standing there praying for a while, just asking the Lord what to do. 
finally I said, okay, I, I need to confront this. I have to do something since he so blatantly told me about this. I hadn't even seen this bag there. I took the bag. I moved it out into the field a little farther, just away. I didn't know what to do. Should I destroy this? So I went back to the group. They were ready to have their morning devotional. And I, I told them what had happened. And we were talking about this. I said, should we just destroy this bottle? What should we do? They said, yeah, I think that's good. Austin was sitting there. He said, I think we should destroy this bottle. I said, do you want the honors? He said, yeah, sure, I'll do it. And so we walked over there. I picked up the bottle. I said, we said, Satan, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, bind the powers of Satan. And I handed the bottle, the bag and the, with the bottle to him, and he threw it as far as he could throw it into the field. From my observation, the, the bottle hit the ground and burst open, and there was a, a red liquid that shot out. Praise the Lord. So we went back and we finished our morning devotional. And at first, I was, I was a, a bit worried. I was a little afraid at what might happen. But as the day went on, I was trusting in the Lord and I was praying about it. And I felt at peace. Mackinson, the witch doctor, shows up that evening. to He was instructed to take off the, the lid during the day and put it back on during the night. He comes back and he walks to the last, the row of mango trees to the last, is ready to take off the lid of the bottle. And he's like, oh, where's the bottle? Cut bit on. So he's talking to the guards in a frantic tone of voice. Where's the bottle? Samuel, where's the bottle? Cut bit on. Oh, we threw the bottle. We nutejetil. Ujetil. Yeah, yeah, we threw the bottle away. Oh, no, 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 no. You threw that bottle away? It was like Satan was becoming alive. And the demons were just reacting, and there was this terrible battle going on. Yeah, we threw the bottle away. He comes in for a, an attack as if, you know, satanic forces i was ready to to be beaten i was ready to be shot i felt at peace i i felt like going to be with the lord is much better than anything else he comes in for an attack i said satan i rebuke you in the name of jesus christ it wasn't mackinson we don't fight against flesh and blood but against principalities and powers against satanic forces Oh, he, it was like a brick hit and he, he, he stepped back. He comes in for another attack. 
saying, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus Christ. Oh, we were crying out to the Lord. I don't have much experience in spiritual warfare. I didn't know what to do, but we knew we had the Lord on our side. This went on for, I would say, two to three hours. I was told I, by, I think, both of Mackinson and the, the chef law, the, the camp chief, that they would beat us without stopping until they, they received that bottle, until I, we told them where, where this was, where we had thrown it. They tried looking in the, in the, down the hole of the squat pot. They went out there and they looked, and I, they didn't find it in there. It wasn't in there. They told me, we're going to beat you without stopping until we find this. The chief of the camp pulls out his pistol. He said, Samuel, do you know what this is called? This is called a gun. Do you know what guns can do? I said, Chief, I'm not afraid of your gun. Go ahead. Kill me. I'm not afraid. Oh, they were powerless. They were powerless. God was on our side. We were praying. We were crying out to the Lord. We were standing together. So the ladies wound up going into the house, but they were praying and crying out to the Lord. And we thought this was surely going to be an all night ordeal. They came. <clears throat> yeah, I, I, I thought I was going to lose my life that night, but the Lord was faithful. And after a long time, we were able to go into the house. But after we were in the house, they were still coming in and asking us to show them where this where this bottle is they they said this is the equivalent of of you destroying a, a bible like you've destroyed our bible or something down that line i don't know what it was for i i still don't know what it was for but it was it was satanic and it was evil and we thought we need to as christians we need to confront this evil so they were dumb enough to, to say that You've destroyed our power. Yeah, they thought we had destroyed their protection or something. <clears throat> so unity is a powerful thing, brothers and sisters. We all along, I was encouraging an escape. A, a lot of us were agreed to, to do an escape. Um, we knew the Lord had to be in it 100%. Nothing more, nothing less. But I believed in the power of God to, to help us escape. And God did help us escape through a whole progression of miracles. He took us out of there. And I see, finally, we came together in the power of unity and prayer. It took us two months. I can't believe it that long but god had us there for a reason i think it was in his timing as, as well um if we would have been delivered just like that i don't think at least one of those those um so there were two there were two of 
the captives, two captives during the time we were there that I believe accepted the Lord as their Savior through our witness and, and testimony during the time we were there. Eventually, after three weeks, we were moved from the second location back to the original location. And there, there were a few captives they brought in late one night and beat them. And during this time, I was in a terrible frame of mind. I was wanting to get out of there. I was, we were crying out to the Lord, and I just didn't feel like I had any more power to witness or to share the love of Christ. I was dry. We didn't have any Bible to read. And these, the one night, like I mentioned, they brought these captives in and beat them. And the next morning, I, I thought, you know, I have to reach out to these men. But I said, Lord, we've been preaching your word for all this time. I don't know if it was 40 or 50 days by then or what. But, and there's really not been much of response. We preach, we've sang, we've shared your love. And Lord, I, you're going to have to just revive me and help me if you want me to talk to these men. I just didn't feel like I had it in me anymore. And I repented of that. I, the, I think the first day they were there, I took them them bags of water and they had to open it because they were they were hog tied tied behind their back and and i squirt the water in their mouth and they were very thankful very grateful i don't think i said much about the lord the first day i did mention jesus or something like that and the next day i just prayed lord i'm sorry i'm ready to try to be your hands and feet i want to share the gospel with these men but god they everyone just hasn't listened and i i must have felt like jonah but one of the next days i grabbed my flambo verite which had proved very valuable um i was very great we were very grateful to have this version of the flambo verite in camp this was about the only spiritual encouragement as far as literature. And we had some tracks, but um, this flambo has become very special to me. It's a Creole version of the Torch of Truth. It has a powerful testimony. The, the title on there is Yun Woz Kolebla, a white rose. And it shares a testimony in there of a girl who was planning to commit suicide. And a pastor found her there and reached out to her and she got converted, a very powerful. She had run away from home, was going to commit suicide, lived in a life of sin and a very powerful testimony. And I, I read that story and, and some Bible verses to the, to the captives while we were there. And the one, it just reminded me of the thieves on the cross. The one was proud and arrogant, but the other had a humble heart, tender heart. 
after I read the story, he bowed his head. He didn't pray out loud, but he, he prayed nonetheless. And afterward, he said, amen. And oh, the joy on his face. The joy of coming to Jesus. The joy of experiencing salvation. Praise the Lord. So the next few days, we tried to disciple him. We tried to share more with him until the time we were here. I have to move on. The time is, I think my time is about up, but I'm not through. Um, Glenn, are you going to give me a little extra time this morning? Yeah, sure. No, that, that sounds great. Just uh, continue going. So, okay, thank you. I'll try to move through as quickly as possible. Ask, seek, find, and knock Jesus, the teachings of Jesus Christ. Matthew 7, verse 7 through 11. Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh it shall be opened. Or what man is there of you whom is, if his son ask bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he give him a serpent? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father which is in heaven give good things to them that ask him? God is willing to give good things to those who ask him. To those who put their faith and trust in him. I don't have much time to cover the details of escape. I'm going to just say there was a whole progression of. To us, they were big miracles. They were a big deal. And I'll let you listen to the, the message that I. Um, the talk that I gave last Sunday. But I want to talk about faith. Is the faith that Jesus told us we need to have, is that, is that a big faith? Matthew chapter 18, 1 through 6. It takes a simple faith. It takes a childlike faith to enter into God's kingdom in the, in the first place. Matthew 18, verse 6, one, I'm sorry, verse 1 through 6. At the same time came the disciples unto Jesus, saying, Who is greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus called a little child unto him and set him in the midst of them and said, Verily I say unto you, except ye be converted and become as little children, ye shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. For whosoever Therefore, shall humble himself as this little child, the same as greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoso shall receive one such little child in my name, receiveth me. But whoso shall offend one of these little ones which believe in me, it were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and that he were drowned in the depth of it. A simple faith, a childlike faith. There's a reason. Jesus said in Matthew 17, 20, that it takes 
faith as the size of a grain of mustard seed. How big is a grain of mustard seed? It's not very big. It's one of the smallest seeds in the world. What it does take, however, is a simple, trusting reliance on our Heavenly Father, allowing His will to be done and leaving the results up. What is a childlike faith? Little children are simple. They're utterly dependent on others. Childlike faith is a faith that does not doubt, question, or seek explanation. It just believes. We are called to blindly trust the goodness, care, and leadership, and provision of our heavenly Jesus told us that ye resist not evil. The Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5. Verse 38 through 48. Ye have heard that it hath been said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say unto you that ye resist not evil, but whosoever shall smite thee on thy right, right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if, a man will, if any man will sue thee at the law, law and take away thy coat, give him thy, let him have thy cloak also. And whosoever shall compare thee to go a mile, go with him twain. Give to him that asketh thee, and from him that would borrow of thee, turn not thou away. Ye have been heard that it hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. The new law, the higher standard. But I say unto you, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. And pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute. That ye may be the children of your which is in heaven. For he maketh his son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. For if ye love them which love you, what, what reward have ye? Do not even the publicans the same? And if ye salute your brethren only, what do ye more than others? Do not even the publicans so? Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. Love your enemies. The Bible way works. We can testify of that. We can testify of God's goodness to us. I believe we could have easily, worldly speaking, we could have easily overpowered our guards. The one morning we woke up. There were multiple times like this. The one morning we woke up, we went out. Some of us were starting to go outside. And... They, they had brought us couches to sit on during the day. The couches were outside and on the couch was a sheet covering an assault rifle. There were no other guards around. Wesley came out and was ready to put the cushions on the couch and get things arranged for the day. He pulled the sheet up and there was an assault rifle right there. 
and he put it back on and and told me about it. I said, oh, my. I couldn't believe how careless they were with their guns. They would put their pistols in the back of their pants. We could have easily grabbed the hold of those guns. And besides, during the day, sometimes there weren't many guards. We could have overpowered them. We could have tied them up. We could have, you know. But the way of the cross, Jesus has called us to a higher standard. It's not like we didn't have temptations to do that. We had to fight against that. But love your enemies. Four unique forms of love are found in scripture. It takes a power. To love your enemies takes a power that's greater than our own. Four types of love. They are communicated through four Greek words. Eros is the Greek word for sensual or romantic love. This type of love is for sexual desire, physical attraction, and physical love. God is very clear in the Bible that sexual romance is reserved only for marriage. Storge is a Greek word which describes family love, the affectionate bond that develops naturally between parents and children and brothers and sisters. Philia is the type of intimate love in the Bible that true Christians practice toward brotherhood. This Greek term describes the powerful emotion, emotional bond seen in deep friendships. And that's one thing I just want to right now, as I think of it, take the time to thank you. Thank you for your prayers, especially since we're free. We just, I'm overwhelmed how the church pulls together the brotherhood, the fellowship, people that I've never even known or met. We have a heritage. We could have been born in those gangs. Thank you for But the love of Jesus, the love that gives you the power to hate your enemy. I'm sorry. To love your enemies. Uh, excuse me. The power, the, uh, the unnatural power to love your enemies is called agape love. It's the highest of the four types of love in the Bible. This term defines God's immeasurable, incomparable love for humankind. It is the divine love that comes from God. Agape love is perfect, unconditional, sacrificial, and pure. Jesus, that Christ demonstrated this kind of love divine love to his father and to all humanity in the way he lived, died, and rose from the grave. Following his resurrection, Jesus asked the apostle Peter Peter, if he loved him, agape love. Peter, Peter replied three times that he did, but the word he used was filio, or brotherly love. John chapter 21, 15 through 19. Jesus said, I'm sorry, Peter had not yet received the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. He was incapable of agape love. But after Pentecost, 
Peter was so full of God's love that he spoke from his heart and 3,000 people were converted. Agape love. It's the love of Jesus inside your heart. The power of Jesus Christ, the power of the Holy Spirit living in you. That gives you the power to love your own. Um, I just real quick here in closing, I want to touch on a few lessons that we learned in, in camp. Greed is a terrible thing. It motivates people to do terrible things to others. The love of money is the root of all evil. First, first Timothy 6, 6 through 10. The godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world and is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us be therewith content. For they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which crown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and have pierced them through with many sorrows. So I want to share just briefly the clear call that I felt that I had to go to Haiti. And when we were in gangster camp, sitting there day after day after day, we would cry out to God. And I just, when God called me back to Haiti the second time, I, I was not planning to go. You know, I, I had thought Hades maybe sometime down the line, five, ten years down the road. But the Lord worked in my heart and life. Um, this would have been um, about October, November of 2020, last year, almost a year ago. Uh, that I was going through a very difficult time in my life. And one day I was, I was a truck driver. I, I was working for a ministry called Blessings of Hope. And one day I was, I was, it, I was just going through a hard, difficult time in my life. And I was driving my truck through the, I think it was the Poconoke Mountains in northern, northeastern Pennsylvania. And I was just praying, just crying out to the Lord. Lord, what is your will for my life? What is your plan? Where, where are you calling me to? What's the next step? I, some things were not going as I had planned or as I had thought the Lord was leading. And, and um, I was just at a stopping point in my life. And right then, as I was driving my truck, I just felt like God was so clearly talking to me. He said, Sam, there's something else I want you to do. There's somewhere else I need you to go. It was so powerful, so clear. I, I, I was shocked. I just, I just sat back in my seat. I was driving over the mountains. Beautiful morning, cold morning. And I said, oh, something like, you've got to be kidding me. Or it was so, it was such a shock. And, and I, I said, Lord, I'm, I'm willing to go. 
I'll go wherever you want me to go. I'm, I'm ready to go. And I didn't know what was about to happen. About two to three hours later, I had a message on my phone. I, I said, Lord, I don't, I, that's, I said, that's strange, but I'm ready to go where you want me to go. About two or three hours later, I had a message on my phone from Bill Mass. He was the, the country supervisor with Christian to ministries to, to Cam in Haiti. And he wondered if I could go to Haiti. And I said, you know, I shared with him what had happened that day. I said, yeah, I believe. I'm, I'm going to have to go. I feel the Lord is calling me to go down there. And I came, walked into the house that evening. I greeted my mom. I said, mom, I'm going to Haiti. And she said, oh, she said, bye then. <laughs> Have a nice day. <laughs> I'm like, okay. And so I just wanted to share this experience with you because in gangster camp, I'm, I'm sitting there. We're, we're over si probably six weeks into this process. Crying out to the Lord. I said, Lord, why did you call me to Haiti? Why did you call me back here just to get kidnapped and just to sit here rotting in this gangster camp? And I was just getting real serious and real honest with the Lord. And I, you know, and I had to repent. And the Lord, what the Lord told me just smote me. He said, Sam. I didn't call you to go to Haiti necessarily to necessarily reach out to the Haitian people. I called you to Haiti because I wanted to change you. Oh, it smote me. Oh, Lord. Make it change me. He said, yeah, when you were in the United, back in the United States, you weren't at near your fullest potential for my kingdom. And I said, Lord, that's right. There were times I was ashamed to speak your name, to proclaim your name, your goodness to people. There were times when I had an opportunity to share the gospel and I didn't take it. And I said, Lord, if you take me out of here, I want to proclaim your faithfulness. I said, Lord, I'm ready to die. If you, if you want me to Lay down my life here. If that's what brings you more honor and glory, if more souls can be won to you through me laying down my life, I'm willing and ready to do it. Hebrews 12. I was so smitten. Hebrews 12, 6 through 11. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth 
scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are ye bastards and not sons. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? For they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure, but he for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness. Now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. I just want to encourage you, never waste your pain. You don't know what's going to happen in life. I don't know what's going to happen in life. We may pass away tomorrow. Sickness, sorrow, crying, tears. Broken relationships. Whatever you might be going through, I don't know what you're facing. But God does. And I want to point you to the cross of Jesus Christ. Not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of the Father which is in heaven. Is your house founded upon the foundation of Jesus Christ on the solid rock? Or are you on the are you on the sand? Will your house stand in the raging storms of life? Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Dear God, I come to you this morning in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father. For all the brothers and sisters all over the world who prayed for us. Thank you for the way that the church was able to lift each other up during this time. And Lord, I pray that you would bring together a true church of Jesus Christ who has unity and, and is faithful during these last days. Lord, wickedness is prevailing, it seems. And God, sometimes it seems like Satan has the upper hand. And he wants to just wreak havoc in the churches, wreck havoc all over the world and God we just cry out to you this morning we look to you we trust in you thank you for salvation through the cross through the the shed blood of Jesus Christ thank you Jesus that you were conceived of the Holy Ghost you were born of the Virgin Mary you lived as our perfect example you died on the cross for our sins. You, the weight of the sin that should, have, that should have been on us, we should have died for our own sins. But you took that sin upon your own shoulders. You died in our place. Oh, Jesus, thank you that you were willing to drink that bitter cup of suffering and death. Thank you that you didn't stay on the cross. Satan thought he had you. Satan thought he got you. But through this, you crushed the head of the serpent. 
You made a way that all men can be saved through Jesus Christ, through the precious blood that was shed on the cross. We love you, Jesus. We want to lay down our lives for you completely upon the altar of sacrifice. But you didn't stay on the cross. You were buried and you rose again on the third day. Thank you that we have hope through the power of the resurrection. And even as you overcame death, so we can overcome sin with you in our lives, with the power of the Holy Spirit living and reigning through us. Lord, thank you. Thank you so much, Jesus. Thank you, Father, for your plan of salvation. And Lord, I just pray that the gospel message would ring out over the world loud and clear. I pray that it would pierce and just separate and that you would just purge and cleanse. And Lord, that there would be a revival in in these last times. I pray that you would raise up men and women for the harvest. The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are are few. And what a privilege, what an opportunity we have to get out there and to engage in this harvest. And God, I just pray that you would raise up soldiers, soldiers of the cross, soldiers that would raise up, lift up high the banner of the cross of Jesus and proclaim him Lord of their lives, Lord of everything they have, would be willing, ready and willing to follow your commands to forsake all. Father, there's temptations, there's Oh, the riches that want to overtake us, Father. Oh, God, I just pray that we would just be revived and just turn around and turn our lives around, that you would take control of that, that there would be a true church living and and alive in the last days. I pray that you would raise up a church that's not only a church, with the name Christian, not only a church with, with that, who say they're Christian, but that a church that is full of your power is, has your holiness, Lord. Father, just please be with us. Help us as we go from here. We thank you and praise you, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. May God bless. Amen. Thank you, Brother Sam, for sharing. That is um, quite a story. I love the testimony that um, God's way works. And truly, uh, we are our safest, not when we're in our comfort zone, but when we are living in God's will and in God's way. So um, thanks again for for sharing. So um, we're going to have a time here of a question and answer. It's a little bit later than usual, but... um, I think we'll just uh, continue here with a few uh, questions and answers. So maybe I'll start with that. Um, so I, I did get a chance to um, listen to the recording from uh, last um, Sunday that you had given. And uh, for all the uh, folks here in the meeting, uh, that is actually available on our website. You can listen to that. Uh, the question I had was, um, in there you had you know, talked about uh, the release of the, of the larger group. Uh, is there anything to share of the story regarding the release of the of the first two um, hostages? Yeah, so Matt and Rachel were the first two hostages who were released. Um, Matt has a, a physical handicap, a physical a genetic disorder. So he's on medicine all the time. He takes 
takes pills um, so he can feel well. And also he, he takes a, uh, an injection. It has to be refrigerated. Um, he, he takes an injection that's a very rare medicine. I'm not sure what it's called, but every two weeks. Um, so the first weekend, we mentioned that to the, the, the gang leader who took us. And we mentioned his condition and we said it's very important that he has his medicine. In fact, I tried to make it sound as emphatic, emphatic as possible and said, hey, he could die from this if you don't, if you don't get him his medicine, you know. You, I said, just, just release him, you know. And so, so they, um, they were planning to release him that first week already. Uh, they came the one night and to load, to pick him up. And, but I said, you know what, if, if he's gone, his wife is going to have to go too. the gang leader said, what? No, no, that's not possible. I said, okay, well, I think, I think, um, you know, I can ask him, but I think he'll say that he has to take his wife. So I asked Matt and he said, yeah, I'm not leaving without my wife. He said it would, yeah, we're, since we're married, we're one. God has brought us together and I'm, I can't do that. I would be, uh, it would be unwise. And so the gang leader was like, oh, well then, <laughs> Okay, well, then it's not as bad. If he's not willing to leave without his wife, um, then actually um, it's not that bad. And, and at that point, I was, I, was, I was regretting that I had made it sound so, so strong to, to, um, that he needs to get out, that he could die. Um, I believed it to be true. Um, but then I would say... Uh, five weeks, I think Matt was released five weeks. Exactly. Matt and, and Rachel, they, um, he came down real fast. Oh, by the way, they had, they had gotten a liquid form of his pills and brought it into us. I was like, we were like, they brought us a whole bunch of medicine. We were like, how did this show up? I mean, how did, how did gangsters in Haiti bring this American medicine? That's hard to find, but they, I don't know what connections they have. I believe they have connections in, in the United States. So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Maybe the FBI brought it. So anyway, um, he was about, yeah, about six weeks into the one day he came down real quick, really fast uh, with something. We didn't know what it was. He was, he said at, at our one o'clock prayer meeting, which would have been 12 o'clock actually, because we never changed the, the watches for, for um, daylight savings time. Um, so he, he announced, Hey, I'm not, I'm not, I wasn't feeling really well this morning. And he said, I'm, I'm just feeling terrible and I'm getting sick. He said, if, if this is a certain kind of disease, I could be gone within 12 hours. And, oh, we started praying. We were, we were worried. 
for him. And he went to use the restroom, and by the time he came back, he could hardly walk anymore. So he went into the house, and we wound up laying hands on him and crying out to the Lord. But at that point, we also started putting a lot of pressure on the gang to release him and his wife. And the amazing thing is when we prayed, God answered our prayers prayers time after time after time. And I know and believe that God has answered many of your prayers to you all across the world. Praise the Lord. So they took Matt and Rachel out of there that evening. It's a long story. I could get into that more. Okay. Thank you for that. So uh, we're going to open it up now for question and answers. And uh, I'm sure there's many of them. We probably can't take all of them from the audience, but um, if you have a question, uh, you're welcome to share it. Uh, try to keep your questions um, concise. If you are using Zoom, uh, just unmute yourself and also turn on your video, and uh, we can go ahead. So uh, who will be first? Sure, and I, I guess I should just mention I'm open for any questions. You can't ask a, a dumb question, but there may be some questions that I can't answer due to security concerns. So I'll just open. Yeah, we open. Sure. Very understandable. I crave details. <clears throat> um, any details that you can share, particularly about the, uh, the escape? Uh, I'm seriously interested in if there is another presentation somewhere that's available where you have already presented those details, uh, I'd love to hear about that. Thank you very much for a very compelling testimony. Thank you, Dan. Uh, yes, I could get into that. I did share it, share the, the beginning of the story and also the ending of the story in detail on the, the message on Sunday, the, the topic I had there. Um, so it is available in audio format on strength to strength, I'll just invite you to um, go ahead and listen to it on there. And if you have any additional questions, um, maybe sometime at another another time would be great. So yeah, it was a very compelling, uh, it was a very heart pounding experience. We were scared, but we were ready to trust it, our, our lives into the hands of God and um, as I already touched on, on the subject of faith, faith is allowing God to take the steering wheel. And sometimes that's the scariest thing to do. We want control of our lives. We're desperate. We cling, we cling to that steering wheel. And faith is letting go. But faith is also a faith that works. It's a faith that takes action. And the faith chapter has become so alive to me. Hebrews chapter 11, since, since this experience. Go ahead and read it for yourself. Yeah, Sam, I got a question here. Go ahead. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is Phil. Hi. Uh, so how did the, the other three get released? Yes. So 
Very good question. I think it could have been a, a couple of things. Um, I'll also invite you to um, go on Cam's website, Christian Aid Ministries, and listen to the the press release that they did there. Um, that would probably fill you in on some details as well. Um, so they became very sick. They got they got very very sick with these boils. The the meekwolves, as they called them, uh, the worms would would eat and eat at their flesh. And and so Cheryl in particular had had like about fifty of these huge boils. Uh, they were some were they were varying in sizes, but. She was in really, really bad shape, could hardly walk anymore. And Kay, uh, one of the single girls, had them as well. Not nearly as bad as Cheryl. Cheryl was the married uh, lady with, with her, her, uh, some of her girls and two of her sons who were there with us. And Kay had, had some some of those boils as well. And that was a very, their release was a very traumatic experience. That was about a week and a half before our escape. Um, the gang just came in there and we had known that they were possibly releasing Cheryl because of her condition. And by the way, there, there also was a ransom paid. I, I can feel free to share that, but I'm not going to go into details on that. Um, but it didn't work. There were other things that other demands that the gang wanted before they would release us. The ransom did not work. And I feel like God wanted to receive all the honor and glory for our escape. Um, so back on track, um, Cheryl, yeah, was in very bad shape. Um, and they were talking about releasing her. But they said that I, I told them if you release her, the six year old son is going to have to go with, with her because he's too young to leave behind. They said, Oh, what? No, you know, and so we didn't know what was going on there. It was a few days later and we were like, oh, maybe they're not releasing her after all. And that experience was very traumatic. One evening, the gang leader and another vehicle just drove in there and they hadn't even said anything about releasing Kay at that point. They had seen her very sore feet and she could hardly walk as well. Um, but the gang leader comes and just pulls Kay, grabs her by the arm and pulls her off of the, the couch and starts taking her to the vehicle. And I'm like, what are you going to do with Kay? I didn't know what was going to happen. I jumped up. I walked beside him. I'm like, hey, please, please tell me what you're going to do with Kay. And they said, we're taking her to the hospital. Oh, I said, oh, thank you. I, I oh, I was afraid for Kay. I was like, you know, thinking, couldn't have you told us, explained a little bit. And then they grab Cheryl and start tearing her apart from, from Sheldon. And it was, you know, Satan was just becoming alive and active again. And it was another one of those times we did the same thing as the witch doctor, you know, 
Satan, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus Christ. And they, they jerk back every time we said that. The name of Jesus is very powerful, friends. Um, so, yeah, it, it wound up. They, it was another, it seemed like a long time, probably at least half hour to an hour ordeal. Um, but finally, they got it approved to, by this time, it seemed like the gang had, had gone up to the next level higher than the gang leader who, than the gang leaders who initially chose to kidnap us. It was into the Haitian politics. So he had to make a phone call by this time to even have Sheldon released. And then finally, well, before that, they even said that, yeah, he can go along. So they got into the vehicle. Then they tried to tear Sheldon out of the V. They did that to get Cheryl in, and then they tried to tear him out. And it was just a very terrible experience. But uh, God was with us through that all as well. And he was able to go along with them. So, yeah, they were sick and they got released. I hope that answers the question. Well, thanks for sharing that. I appreciate it. Samuel, um, yeah, thank you so much for sharing that touching testimony and your, your faith in God. Um, it's just it's such a beautiful testimony. Um, and thank you for being willing to share so soon after this. Um, just one thing I'd love to have you talk about just for a little bit is, is how you came together on a time to escape. I think there's a, some powerful lessons there for us as a church. You mind just talking about that a little bit? Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Unity. There's, there's power in unity. And I, you know, I didn't take a lot of time to study into the subject of unity as of yet. Um, but a collective faith when a church or a group of people, the Bible says where two or three are gathered in my name, they're mine of you and we experience that every step of the way god was just right there with us faithful and true and he had his hand of protection on us um it took a long time the first week i was promoting an escape i said we're in god's hands and but then as time went on uh some of the people got became very sick with those sores and and so on. And, um, you know, it wouldn't have been possible at that time to attempt an escape outside of, you know, obviously God working some miracles. And, you know, with the bigger group, the everyone, it was, it would have been, I feel a little more difficult. And mainly, I believe it would have been possible. All, with God, all things are possible. But mainly, we were not unified. There were some that thought that, you know, it takes more faith just to sit here and and exercise our faith, trust that God would send an angel and deliver us that way. And I don't doubt his power. I don't doubt that he could have. But if you look in the faith chapter, faith is a is a faith is is an action word, right? It's something, it's something that works that you put your faith and your works. You, you, you 
take a step of faith. You let go of that steering wheel. Um, yeah, I maybe you have something you could share on you. <laughs> Rhymed. Yeah, thank you for, for sharing. Uh, I just think it's so beautiful how you all work together and you had a round-the-clock round prayer meeting going that second month. And yeah, God can work, work miracles. And, and Amen. In, in this case. And so, yeah, thank you for sharing. Okay, we'll take uh, one or two more questions and then we'll wrap up here. And that's okay if there are no further questions. So um, we'll just uh, wrap up here. So yeah, thank you to all of you who joined this morning. And uh, thank you, Sam, for sharing uh, your story. So may we all be strengthened in our faith and by this, by this uh, testimony of uh, how God works in the story of our lives. So I think we'll have a closing prayer here. And then following that, we're gonna have a few announcements. Um, we have on the call here with us, uh, Brother John D. Martin from um, Shippensburg, Pennsylvania. And Brother John, would you uh, be able to close in prayer? Sure. Father, we thank you that you're the God of all flesh. There's nothing too hard for you. And we just marvel, Lord, how those uh, sickest captives could be released so the rest would have the strength and that the strong ones could make the uh, escape and lord it, this story is just an amazing story how step by step you did the uh, the deliverance and uh, help us lord to understand that you don't always just deliver uh, by one uh, powerful act but lord you deliver in ways that demonstrate your power in in many aspects of your grace and we thank you for that wonderful verse that said you're able to make all grace abound toward us that we always having all sufficiency in all things may abound into every good work. We thank you for the faithfulness of these people uh, who just followed you step by step and uh, demonstrated uh, your goodness in so many different ways. And then we thank you, Lord, that they're all home safe and sound. Bless them each, Lord. I pray, Lord, that their testimony would continue to ring throughout the world uh, of, of how you are the uh, one who is most powerful over all evil. So just bless us all, Lord, to be take this encouragement and be bolder uh, to proclaim your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So just a few announcements. Uh, the meeting this morning was recorded. And we plan to make that available by both video and audio uh, later today. So uh, when the recording is available, we'll be posting a notice on our messaging groups. We will also be posting a transcript of Sam's talk from last Sunday. And that will be on our website uh, if you do not already receive our regular updates from Strength to Strength, you can sign up for them uh, online on our website at strengththestrength.org. And there you can um, sign up for reminders by WhatsApp or Telegram, or if you're on Cloudvale or Signal, or by email. And uh, if you don't have uh, online internet access, you can send us an email to request that, and we'll get you on our mailing list, our email list, that is. And uh, our email address is contact at strengththestrength.org. 
So we also have our uh, audio recordings available by phone. And that connection information is also on our website. If you don't have internet access, again, you can uh, email us um, to request the connection information for the phone service and we'll get that to you. Again, our email address is contact at strengththestrength.org. So Strength to Strength is hosted at six o'clock in the morning, uh, Eastern time, every other week. This week is actually our off week. So we had this uh, bonus talk this week just to help get this uh, story out. But then next week we'll be having a meeting again and that will return us to our regular schedule. So uh, next week, uh, January 1 at 6 o'clock in the morning, Eastern Time, uh, Brother Lamar Showwater will be sharing with us a New Year's message called Rise Up, O Man of God. And uh, we hope to see you then. The link and uh, phone number to join each week is the same, so you can join in the same way that you connected this morning. And I think that concludes um, our time here today. So again, uh, many blessings on all of you for being a part of this uh, call here. Again, thank you, Sam, and may God's name be glorified. So um, thank you, thank you, Glenn and Brian. I appreciate it, and thank you to everyone who was on here this morning. God bless you. Thank you, Sam. Can I, can I ask Sam one more question? So obviously, sure. there's a lot of hostages still, or yeah, people that are still held hostage. Uh, in Haiti and around the world. And if, I think especially in Haiti, you were even obviously interacting with other hostages. How can we pray for them? Can you just give us a couple ways to pray for them as we still remember them there? Yes, absolutely. Um, pray for their deliverance, um, you know, physically, but especially spiritually. Haiti is a country where it seems like Satan is just rampant he's just working havoc in the churches the immorality and uh the morals are just just absolutely terrible so pray that they would be delivered physically but most of all pray that they would be delivered spiritually and that they would come into a real and a living relationship that's only available through jesus christ And pray, you know, that the violence in Haiti would, the church would rise up to the task of raising up disciples. And, and um, I feel like each one of us can play a part in that. Amen. Thank you, brother. All right. Thanks again to all of you for joining and God bless your day. As iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend.